You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Folks listening on Facebook Live, good morning, and listening online. Appreciate all those folks and those who give online. Um, may not even attend here, but they, they give and watch, and we're grateful for them. So just want to say thank you to them this morning. But the small group kickoff party was great. If you were here uh, Wednesday night, we had a good time, lots of good food, uh, had some tournament winners, okay? Um, the Bailey small group, their, they were the, the they, their team was the cornhole champions of the cornhole tournament. So, uh, yeah, Joey Davis and Randy Bailey just wiped everybody out. Had one tough game, just one tough game, but everybody else kind of smooth sailing, it seems like. That's just warning you, Joey and Randy, if you ever get out here playing cornhole, just watch out, okay? And so, and then we had a spoons tournament, and that was won by the student group, our students, which was the single winner, the the one who led that one home was Hannah Blake. So if you see Hannah Blake, way to go, Hannah. Okay, so those were the the two groups. So there, so do this next time. You're the defending champions, right? Joey and Randy and Hannah have to watch out. People be like sitting at home practicing grabbing a spoon, you know, and just doing finger exercises and stuff, trying to get to get ready for that next tournament coming for you. Okay. But we'll begin small groups this week, except for those two I mentioned earlier. And if you haven't got connected yet, make sure and see me or Rita, and we can get you connected somewhere this week. And uh, again, students, Thornhill, not this week, but we'll start August 28th. But we're going through the book of Mark, and that's where we're at, and we're in chapter 1. I have no idea how long this series is going to last, okay, because we're just going through the book and just kind of seeing how how this progresses. Uh, But we saw last week it starts by Mark telling us, hey, this is what this is about. It's about the Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the gospel uh, of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and goes on to tell us about John the Baptist. We got a little bit into that. That's where we'll kind of continue this morning, who is preparing the way for Jesus, announcing his coming into his ministry, that he was going to start um, as he had grown up and was ready for this span where he would minister to people, do great miracles, and eventually end up at the cross. And so there was John the Baptist, one crying in the wilderness, who was a messenger of the one who was the message. And the message is about Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus. Um, and, and that was prophesied, as we talked about, um, hundreds of years before. And Isaiah said there would be this one who would announce his coming. And so that that was it. And so we pick up in Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, and it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, that's an important one, he saw the heavens opening, and this is very important, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him, and a voice came out of the heavens, You are my Son, and you I am well pleased. Okay? Um, interesting point here, though. Um, some of you, like research buffs, history buffs, will will kind of know some of this. But about 
Nazareth. Of course, Jesus was born in Nazareth, but imagine him growing up there. Um, this little town sits up on a hill and looks down over a valley. And uh, not much there in Nazareth, but it's a small town, but looked over this valley into a valley called, you might know, Jezreel. The Valley of Jezreel is there. Okay, very significant. It's known in the book of Revelation as the Valley of what? What's going to happen there? Armageddon, right? So it's this, the Valley of Armageddon. So here's this town he's born in, which looks down over this valley. So he's come to the earth to save mankind. But, but growing up, can you imagine him growing up knowing in that valley down there is where I will come back and in this historic um, God providentially willed battle, worldwide battle, moving toward Jerusalem, and Jesus will come back to end it all right there. Just, just kind of an interesting side note to think about because that's a piece that's maybe not connected too often for you. Um, and there's so much more and further we could go with that, but we'll just—that's a whole another series probably. But, but here in these verses we see the baptism of Jesus. Okay. Coming up out of the water. So what does that, if he was coming up out of the water, he must have been down in the water. He was immersed, okay? So not sprinkled, sorry, not to offend the Methodists and all the, you know, that people who sprinkle. That's just why we do what we do, okay? That when we look at, look at scripture, we look at the actual word, um, baptize and baptizo in, in its original language means to immerse in water. I mean, that's just what it means. It means to immerse. And so, that's what the word means, so we take that for what it is, and, and so we baptize by immersion here in our church. That's why we do that. And you'll see us do, like when I baptize somebody, I'll say I baptize this my brother or sister in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because in the Great Commission it says, go therefore and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we just take that stuff for what it is, and, and that's what we do. In the, and, and so baptism by immersion after conversion, after becoming a Christ follower, surrendering your life to him, Holy Spirit comes inside of you, get baptized by water, and the Spirit comes inside, baptized by Jesus. And so you see here in this picture of what we're seeing is the Trinity. We talked about some of this last week, but it's just it's a very clear picture because some people have this picture of the Trinity as like um I'm trying to think of what you'd call it, but it's it's not a it's not a Jesus changing form. It's not God changing form and he changes into Jesus and he changes into the Holy Spirit like it's water that can be frozen in its ice or it evaporates and it's a cloud. That, that's, that's a whole different line of thinking. It's, that's, that's just the same thing becoming different things, okay? This, this is three distinct persons, yet one God, united in, in love and community together. Um, one God, um, Three distinct persons, and you see this here because it's 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 not like the same form. You're seeing, you're hearing God the Father. The, the heavens open up and they hear a voice. So you're hearing God the Father's voice. At the same time, the Spirit it says it's it's like a dove. It descends like a dove on Jesus, and there's Jesus in the flesh. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all present at the same time, but three distinct, different people. Okay, and the Holy Spirit is a he, by the way, because the, the Bible refers to him in a masculine pronoun. Okay, it's not an it. It's not a fog that fills the room. It's not 
a thing or a force or I mean, it's power, he's powerful, but he it, it is a person. It's a he, okay? It's like God and Jesus, it's a he, three and one. And it says, and the spirit like a dove, like a dove, not an actual dove, but like a dove, the, the trinity. Um, so we don't worship multiple gods. We talked about that last week, and you have to be careful because you can get into an argument with some people. Um, I had a, a guest in my home this week who probably, if we had got there, would have argued that point and said, no, you have three gods, but I just worship Allah, one God. And, I, and we, But we didn't, we didn't get there. Um, he, he had another appointment. So, But it would have been, I would have loved to get to that point of understanding of, you know, because he and I come from two different directions. He obeys the law in order to focus his heart on God, whereas my, in my conversation with him was, well, God and the Holy Spirit comes inside and changes my heart in order to help me obey. We're coming at it from two different ways. He, the pillars of Islam, I follow those so that I can do the right thing and love God, whereas the Holy Spirit changes my heart and helps me love God so that I obey. I mean, it's totally backwards. So we, we got there, but getting to the part of Jesus isn't just a prophet, that's where we got to. We had to stop. Is Jesus a prophet? No, he's God. And it's clear in Scripture as you read through but then you got to get into debates about New Testament and their validation of that and who Jesus is. So anyway, so that was the whole discussion. Um, hopefully I'll get to talk some more uh, to him. But anyway, he was a very nice guy. Loved talking with him and it was very interesting. But anyway, um, but we covered some of that last week about the Trinity. But, but here's the important thing about the Trinity. Just as you see all three of them here, we need all three of them for our salvation, for us. We have we it's we need all three. Okay? They all do very important work in our life for our salvation. Okay? The Father is the one who sent Jesus. He sent him, and the Father is the one who draws us to himself. He 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 imparts that kind of uh, um, instigating this this deal of us you know, him reaching down to us. He instigates it. He sends Jesus, okay? Jesus comes to earth, dies on the cross in our place for our sin, rises again to bring us new life so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in us as the new temple. And so Jesus being there in the flesh and then the Holy Spirit who seals your salvation, who leads you in sanctification and obedience, proving that you're his. There's a place in the Bible that says the Spirit comes into the world convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It has a specific role. So all three are needed for your salvation. Okay, play very important parts. And so when when we look at this stuff, and as I was thinking about all this as I was reading through Mark, I just you first get in this. I don't know why I come back to this a lot because uh, I say this to you guys a lot. But do you believe? That this is the very word of God. That this is God sending his message to you. It, this thing called the Bible. He, God sent that to you for you. And, and so do you believe that it is a message from God to you? Do you really believe that? Because if that's true, there's something that should happen in our mindset that makes us just really take this more seriously than we seem to. And I hope you believe that. 
And, and if that's true, if we believe that, and that's, this is his message to us, then throughout the Bible, who's, who or what is the Bible really all about? It's all about who? Jesus, all the way through, right? And I, I know I say this often, but I, here's where I want to go this morning. So as we approach Scripture, who, who, do we, who do we always think of first? Like, where do we start? Where do we start, or where's our plumb line? Now, after I've already prompted you that way, you would automatically say, well, Jesus, right? Obviously, okay? It starts with Jesus. See, because we talk about, we, we put up some new signs over here, we talk about our, our core value of relevance, and that can be confusing to people sometimes because it's not a, we're trying to be like the world or relevant to the world. For, for us, it's more, yes, there is some relevance, we... The scriptures are timeless. You know, it's not ancient and gets old and doesn't apply to us, but that's the part is it's, it is what the Bible says is relevant to our lives. Okay? It's relevant to us today. And there are ways we can minister to people in relevant ways, and that's part of it too. But we're not trying to be the world. We're just trying to reach people in the world. And so we don't mean to infer that's, that's what we're all about. We're, we're not the point. That's where I'm going, okay? God is. It, it's like this. Whenever, like if I said, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this picture. It's a group picture from, a, from something you and I went to, but there's a whole bunch of people in the picture. And if I show you the picture, what's the first thing you look for? You, right? Like, where am I in the picture? Right? Isn't that what we do? Anytime somebody shows you a group photo, you look for yourself. That's the first thing you do, right? You look for yourself. It's just broken human nature, okay? Think of ourselves first. So be careful when you come to Scripture that you do the same thing, right? You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it is a message from God to us, and it's applicable to our lives today, and we need to discover how to apply it. But to properly apply it, we have to start in the right place, Okay? Some people want to interpret Scripture by their situation, which is not the way, you know, I've got this situation, so I need to go to the Scriptures and see what, what I can find that, that apply. No, you need to apply, you need to go to the Scriptures and see how it applies to your situation, not take your situation and go, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's backwards. Because what you get into is then you have people who get into, well, you interpret this way, I interpret that way we're all coming from different places, we all interpret it different. Would you think God had a specific message in mind when he, when he inspired somebody to write that? He, he had a specific message in mind. Like he, when he said, say this, he meant for it to mean this. Not, well, 15 people may look at it differently, right? It does mean what it means. Okay, now, and so we start with Scripture, and there's lots of stuff in the Bible that we can say, well, this is how this applies to my life. But we start with, it's God's Word. He is the, he's the standard, not me, not my interpretation. He's the standard, right? That's why we need the Holy Spirit and all these things to help us help understand the Scripture and it be revealed to us. You know, carnal man can't understand it. It takes spiritual man to understand it, right? Or else, if we come at it carnal mind, what do we do? We look for us, right? Okay? So, so Mark, 
starts and, and, and gives us the proper point. Jesus is the point and the gospel is relevant to us all. So Mark starts, even back in verse 1 that we saw last week, how did he start? He started by saying, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? Telling us it's all about him. And then John the Baptist saying, Jesus is coming. It's all about him, pointing people to him. So proper, proper reference point is not us, but rather what is God saying? What is God doing? I look for what he's saying, what he's doing. And then if that somehow applies to my life, then I go, Okay, so what's he telling me I need to do? Okay, and so this baptism that's going on here is significant. The baptism is even more significant to John the Baptist. Okay, there's there's a there's a John knows Old Testament. He knows these things. He knows all the prophecies about the Messiah. And so seeing the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus like a dove would be significant. Because here, here, here's John. He's Jesus's cousin, right? He's family. Okay. You, you've heard it said, "What would it take for, you know, like with James being Jesus's brother? How, what would it take for somebody to convince you that your brother was Jesus?" Right. Well, here's John. He's his cousin, so you can imagine, right? He's going, "My cousin," which he knew this from even before in the womb, because you remember when Jesus's mother Mary and and John's mother, when they came together, when they were both pregnant, John leapt in his mother's womb just being in close proximity to Jesus. I mean, could you imagine? Okay? Explain that to... I won't, well, let's be careful. I was going to head into the abortion realm and what that means and how, how that affects that, but you guys know how where I stand on that. I'll get off on a big tangent if I go that way. But... Could you imagine just wrapping your head around that, you know, if you're James, your brother, or John, your cousin, is the Messiah, so, okay? And, it, and it's like this huge validation uh, or, or final verification, I would say, to John that Jesus is the Messiah because in Isaiah chapter 11, there is this prediction about the coming Messiah, right? Chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, which is house of David. It's that line, that lineage, okay? And who would know that? John knows that. He's family, right? And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. So if, if John's knowing all this, right? John knows family, and he knows he is indeed from the, the stem of Jesse, from the house of David, and now seeing the Spirit coming down and resting upon him, you know, in John's mind, he's going, there's no doubt. That's him. He's it, right? And it goes on in Mark chapter 1. We'll get to verse 12 here. Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels were ministering to him. Okay? And I know in that you're probably wanting me to pick out angels or wild beasts, anything other than Satan, right, and talk about. But Satan is very real. He's ve he is very real. He is referred to as he, not an entity, force, just like the Holy Spirit. It's not some, it is, a, it is a person. He has power, not more power than God. It's not like this thing's going on in the world where there's Satan against God. There's good versus evil, right? the dark side and the light side, and there's this struggle all the time, and who knows which one's going to overtake which, and it's a 
constant battle to win. No, God's won. I mean, there's no, there's no defeating him. Satan has lost, okay? But Satan exists, evil exists, okay? He's not equal to God by any means. He, he is, he's more powerful than you and I on our own, okay? So that's what we've got to be careful of and understand. It's why we need Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? But no need to be afraid if we're His. If we belong to Jesus and we're following Him, then we don't need to be afraid. But we've got to be aware and cautious because it's not us who can in our own selves overcome Him, okay? The, and, the, and the thing is, the more you move toward God, the more Satan and his demons will move toward you. You need to constantly be aware of that, okay? They want to hinder you and keep you from being effective. One preacher said, anyone doing business with God will eventually have to do business with the devil, right? Because he's going to come check in on you and see if he can hinder you in some way. He does not want you finding joy and hope and peace in God. I mean, as you can imagine, he's a little ticked at us, okay? Because God has offered us the heaven that Satan wanted to take over. So he's a little bit perturbed, I'd say. He fell and didn't get redemption, but we fall as humans and sin, and he comes and dies for us. You can see Satan's a little ticked off, right? So he's going to try to do everything he can to keep you from having that eternal life in heaven and, and being effective for God and helping other people to have that same thing, right? So we have to be careful. And I've had people, I had one lady one time call me. She was just so tore up. The house she was living in, she felt like was haunted or demon-possessed, I guess so to say, and was very upset about it and and wanting to sell the house and move and all this stuff. And I and I just I just said, look, I, I, I'll pray for you. And I, I'll even come to the house and we can pray. I'm not, not so much... We're Baptists, so we're limited on this, okay? But, um, you know, I wasn't going to come over and try to cast out demons out of a refrigerator or anything, okay? Um, I just I don't see it that way. I, I think people can be demon-possessed, as you see in Scripture, okay? But I don't think they take over a coffee pot and throw coffee at you, okay? I, it, or mess it up, okay? It's just they have power. They can do stuff. But it's a whole other discussion. Um, but I just said, you know, the thing is, you don't have to be afraid even living there, even if that's true. Like, we all have these the evil forces that are trying to hinder us. To, and this is just one of those moments for you that's trying to, Satan's trying to drag you down. And where you need to go is not, i got to get out of here per se. But, but maybe if you want to sell your house, move somewhere else, that's fine. Not a problem. But in the meantime... Have some victory in knowing that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Like if you, you I, I knew this person, I said, you have Christ, okay? Holy Spirit lives in you. You and your flesh can't overcome this, but you got the one inside of you that, that okay, he's afraid of what's in you. You, you not know, get that? That's why he's there. That's why all these things are happening, because the enemy is afraid of the one that's in you, okay? So have victory in that and go and have this assurance of I may not be able to handle this, but you know what? The one I'm following the one who can who has defeated all this already. 
so I don't have to let this drag me down in the, into this slump of, of just fear and depression and, man, I can't even live in my own home. You don't, you don't have to go there, okay? Turn that around, right? Because you have Christ in you who's greater than all that. So, but even this morning, Satan does not like you being here. You get that? Like Satan doesn't like you guys being here this morning. Okay? And he'll work on you. Maybe already has this morning. Okay? You're demon-possessed curling iron or something. I don't know. Okay? Argument you got into with your husband on the way here. Wife. Kids. You know, whatever happened. I'm not going to say anything about automobile problems. I promise. Okay? Every time I do, Elizabeth has those. Like, I'm very prophetic on those with her, so I'm going to stay away from all that. See, I even touched that subject, and that makes me nervous, okay? Let's just stop and pray for your automobiles, okay? Anyway. Um, but he doesn't, if you are actively pursuing the Lord, you will be actively pursued by the enemy. It's just the way it is. You don't have to go home looking for Satan in your garage, like I said, or whatever. No need for us who are children of God to be afraid. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Not because you can whip Satan. Satan can take you in a heartbeat. Okay? He and his demons can. They sit and plan every day trying to take you down. Okay? But he can take you. Not because you can whip Satan but because Satan is afraid of Jesus and the Holy Spirit who's in you. So right after Jesus is baptized, it's great spiritual moving. Like you see it right here. This is the pattern you'll see in Scripture if you pay attention. Okay, Right after Jesus is baptized, he's taken out into the wilderness and tempted by Satan. You see that? Like great spiritual blessing, pleasing. This is the one who I'm pleased with. God says that. Voice from heaven. Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Okay, out into the wilderness. Here comes Satan. Right? I mean, the Israelites, they escaped from Egypt. Great blessing. We've been set free. Oh, wait a minute. Pharaoh's coming. Right? I mean, the Mount, when they, it's on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, after that happened, they come down off the mountain. What happens immediately? Here comes a demon possessed boy. Right? I mean, you see this pattern over. If you watch in Scripture, you'll see this over and over. It's like, Great move of God. That was awesome. Great miracle. Oh, here he comes. Here comes the demon. Here comes this problem, right? So don't be surprised because right now Satan's even talking to you right now trying to get you to discredit what's being said, ignore the word, think about all the stuff you got to do this afternoon. What am I going to have for lunch? I'm already getting hungry. Like you're already, he's already tracking you off losing, right? So, you see this pattern, and you have to be aware of the attack. It will happen even here, even like I'm saying right here. J.C. Ryle said, nowhere perhaps is the devil more active than in church, right? You go to church, and the Lord speaks to you, and you get all blessed and fired up and ready to serve Jesus, and you leave, then maybe even before you leave, life happens, right? Satan happens. And you watch, I've seen it all the time, I watch people go, I'm not going to go to church anymore because that happened or this happened. And that or this is probably the very reason why you need to stay in church, right? 
So getting on to verse 14, it says, Now after John had been taken into custody. Whoa, that's a big change. You see that? He just baptized Jesus. Oh, that was wonderful. Can you imagine? I got to prepare the way. I was part of prophecy. I, like, amazing. You take me into custody. Like, just like that. See how that works? Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, John got put into prison because the king, the ruler of that day, it was because he confronted him. Okay, Herod Antipas. Okay, and that Herod, like there's all these brothers, and they're all named Herod, and then some other names. Okay, it can get very confusing. They're not all the same Herod. There's Herod Antipas, and so he has married, he has taken somebody else's wife, and married her, and it's his niece. Okay. It was his half-brother, Herod Philip, who was his wife. And he just, because he's the ruler, he takes her for himself and marries him. And because he had, like, a grandmother who was Jewish, like, it ticks John off because he's like, you're, you got some Jewish there, so and that's against any kind of Jewish law, anything that we should do. And he full-on confronts Herod Antipas about doing this. Okay, and so Herod came after him and imprisoned him and eventually killed him. Okay, got in big trouble for it. And so that's where it says, and now after John had been taken into custody, that's because Herod came after him and got him. Okay, and so it goes on in verse 16. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, another prediction uh, is what we're getting ready to see here is from Isaiah, I think it's chapter 9 said that he would go to Galilee, like he would leave, leave Nazareth and go to Galilee. Okay, So as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay, Now just remember, the Sea of Galilee, don't think of the Sea of Galilee, because I, I always, for a long time, did this. The Sea of Galilee is not a ocean. It's not an ocean, okay? It's, it's, it's like eight miles wide, 13 miles long, shaped like a heart kind of deal. And, and so water comes in, flows out of that to the Dead Sea, which does, has no exit, so that nothing lives in it. Okay? So, so this is not, you got to get to like Mediterranean Sea, and then you get saltwater ocean type thing, which is large. Okay? So, so in your mind, just getting you a picture of it, it's more like what we think of as a lake. Okay? Like over here. Okay? So they're casting their nets. They were fishermen. And, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Did you hear that? Because we talked a lot about follow. And I mentioned this a lot. okay? Because I think it's important when Jesus says, if you've never read the Gospel According to Jesus, great book, John MacArthur, please get it, read it. One of the best, I have to put it, top three books ever read apart from Scripture. Very good. But it's just the words of Jesus. Here's what the gospel is according to Jesus. Okay? So follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So if you're not following, or if you're not fishing, then you're not following. Right? Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. That just, I just want to say this. That Every time I read that, 
about follow me and I'll make you fisher, become fishers of men. It, every time I read that, that wells up inside me of, can I do more? Like I should be doing more. Like I'm not active enough in leveraging who I am everywhere I go, everything God has given me to try to fish for men. Like that should be on my mind more than it is. And I should not let other things, good things even, detract from, like, like, because a lot of times it's just comfort stuff. It'll just so distract me from being a fisher of men like I should be. I mean, this is plain, plain English. Well, it's not originally wrote in English, but for us, okay, you understand what? It's like plain words to say, Jesus looks at these guys and follow me and you'll become fishers of men. I mean, he gives his whole, this is the deal, okay? And all through Scripture, it tells us stuff like, you're now an ambassador for Christ, so you're representing Him. Why'd He come? He came to seek and save that which was lost, right? There's, there's all kinds of stuff. You, it, it says, we've been reconciled with God and, and therefore given the ministry of reconciliation. We were reconciled to God. What for? So that we could be in the business of helping other people be reconciled to God. It's very clear from Scripture. That's why a guy like John Piper who is like hardcore Calvinist, and I'm not, okay? I respect greatly, great theologian. He, he ha, he's very, very smart, and, and God has taught me a lot through him, okay? But I love the fact that he's not hyper-Calvinist, even though he goes to seven point, adds all this stuff. He's like super-Calvinist, but he's not hyper-Calvinist because he still believes missions and evangelizing, spreading the gospel are essential, to who we are as Christians and, and, and central and key to the gospel itself. So, so that's I have great respect for that, okay? Because there's so many people, I've met people who just kind of cut off and go, oh, we're, everybody's chosen, so we don't have to tell nobody. God does all that. No, you're not reading your Bible. Because it says over and over, you know, what does it say about the feet, uh, feet of those who bring good news, Right? Happy are the feet of those who bring good news. Sorry, my mind went to that movie Happy Feet. I'm like, that has nothing to do with that, okay? Anyway. Um, so those thought bombs, you know, Satan usually gives me the 80 stuff as thought bombs because it's totally distracting me. Take it captive to the obedience of Christ, okay? Get back to the, the issue at hand, okay? So anyway... Just understanding that deal. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately the son of Zebedee, or going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. I mean, could you imagine that scene? Like Jesus come up, hey, follow me. And they're like, hey, dad, we're leaving. He's like, who's that guy? I don't know. We're just going to follow him, right? And sh surely they had heard about him. They knew some things. There's... There's, they knew something about this guy, so when he came to them, they're like, he really is the Messiah, I'm going to follow him, okay? But these guys really had no idea what they were ultimately getting into. I mean, he told them up front, you come follow me, I'm, you'll become fishers of men. But to know what all that involved, isn't that the way it is for us? Like, gosh, man, my sin, and, I, and Jesus saved me, and salvation comes and we understand that part. I mean, that's just the first part of understanding. Then, then all this we learn about here's, here's the life he calls me to and here's what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
And there's, it seems like there's like thing after thing after thing that God's just like working on this. Working, here's what's next for you. Here's what's next for you. And so that forward progress is, it's just evidence of the fact that you're his. And so if that's like, if you've never, if you've been a Christian, like years, two, three, four, five years or longer, and you've never got to this fisher of men part, that's, that's a basic, that's like, I saved you to be in the ministry of reconciliation. This is what you're to be doing. You should be inviting people to church and liking your church Facebook page like crazy and post, you know, reposting stuff and sharing with people and inviting your neighbor over to eat. And the guy who comes to visit your home, that's for whatever reason, we won't go into all that. That's, that's Muslim. You're going to, you're going to try to get the conversation there, even though he's there for a different reason. There's like all kinds, like, you just leverage everything and looking for those opportunities. How do I be a fisher of men and keep that on my mind? And so every little avenue I've got, I'm going to find an avenue or a way to share the gospel with people, to build relationships, to earn their trust, to get to the point where we can have the conversation. Not just right out of the box, just smack them with the Bible, but relationship and then getting to that point because that's the reason for the relationship is to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And so we're called to follow Jesus, but we don't always, like, it's like take this step and then we'll get the next step. We don't know what's down the road, per se. We know what's at the very end for us, but we don't always know what he's going to ask of us. But isn't that faith? You're saying, he loved me enough to die for me? So therefore, I trust him. If he loved me that much, offers me eternal life, if, then why would I not trust him with my life? Right? It's like people who talk about, they'll come to me about tithing, you know, about generosity, about giving. It's like, I can't afford to tithe. Well, honestly, can't afford not to. And what you're saying is you trust you to get you through the month, not God. You don't think God can get you through the month on 90%? rather than you on 100%? Because it's, it's, it goes back to that thing of, so what you're saying is, is you trust God to save you from your sin and get you to heaven, but you don't trust Him to get you through the month. There's a little difference in thinking there. Like, there's a big space between those two things. Okay? This is a, this is a basic. Okay? This is surely, if you're trusting Him with your life, with your eternal salvation, you can trust him with what he's given you to manage and steward and put him first in everything, in your time, in the skills that you have, in your resources even. And so it's faith, we're trusting him, but it's not blind faith. A lot of people look at us as Christians and go, it's just blind faith, you're just like believing this thing you can't see. It's not blind faith, okay? I know in history... There was actually a guy named Jesus who lived. The event actually happened. And he did all these, fulfilled all these prophecies, did what he said he would do, then was resurrected from the dead. If that actually happened, it's not blind faith. You better be following that guy. Right? It, it's not a blind faith. It's a real event in history that happened. And I, and, and I, I believe it happened, and that's 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 enough to understand it. If that really happened, that is the foundation of our faith. So 
if we're not, you know, not just believing, but following. And so we need to be fishing for men and trusting Jesus with the results. Jesus wants to make you, you, all of you sitting here, a fisher of men. So how are you leveraging the life Jesus has given you to fish for men? Or is your life about you or your kids or some guy or girl? Jesus doesn't give you those things as distractions. He doesn't bless you with things as distractions for what he's called you to do. But he gives them to you for more opportunity and more joy in following him. So verse 21, I'm going to try to get through verse 28. We'll be done, okay? It says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was one teaching them as one having authority. And automatically my mind goes to, again, the Great Commission. All authority is on, is in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Like, he's the guy that died and defeated death and rose again. Then he's got power over everything, Okay? So he, so there's this authority he has, and it says not as the scribes. Like there's these religious people. It, like he's got authority, not like I have authority. Not that I'm a scribe, but even as a pastor, he has authority I don't have. Okay? The only reason I have anything is because of him. So it says, just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Okay? Demon-possessed man. Not everybody that comes to church is a Christian, right? We're aware. Okay? That's why sometimes I say things the way I do. Not everyone is on track with Jesus. And I'm personally glad that people are, are know they can come here and maybe they're not on track with that. And But I don't believe it's a coincidence that God brought them here. Maybe someone will encounter Jesus and be set free. Is the hope. And it says there was this man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying what business do we have with each other jesus of nazareth jesus of nazareth notice that i mentioned this in a sermon before demons seem to always get jesus's identity right even though a lot of other people don't it's like is he elijah is he a prophet is it like who like who do you say i am well peter got it right not of his own accord right but the demons they every single time you see in scripture they know who he is they know Okay, they've been properly taught. They know who he is, right? What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, "Be quiet and come out of him." Like, can you imagine in church? Like, be quiet, right? Great authority. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. There he is telling the... He's telling the demons, hey, be quiet. Don't give me away at that level yet because it's not time for me to be drug off and crucified and like, be, chill out. Okay, I'm telling you to be quiet. Like, and you'll see it. There's a few times in Scripture that he does this, like in this way. He'll say, 
don't tell anybody. He'll even tell some, explain something to somebody about the kingdom of God and he'll and about what's to come, about what he's going to do as the Messiah. He says, but don't don't tell anybody. But what do they do sometimes? They go off and tell people. Like right here, immediately the news spread. Everybody's talking about it. It wasn't time yet for the crucifixion. It, it wasn't time because he had not fulfilled everything he came to do before saving us from our sin and dying for us on the cross and being resurrected to bring us new life in him. And you see here the step you need to take if you haven't. And that, that's that's I always come back to this. Okay? And there's a reason. Okay? I know sometimes you go, okay, here's the part where Marty goes into the whole repent. Here's me and my sin. Here's Jesus. And like, la, 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 la. Right? And you just kind of shut down and you automatically start tucking your stuff away and thinking, okay, where am I going to go to lunch? And oh, we're going to have to sing one more song probably. And like, you're, like your mind goes to all those places, right? You're like, how does he know that? Okay? I've sat in church sometimes too. Like, and I sit up here and go, if I were in their shoes, they're probably ready to go, right? But, but, but that's the thing is, is this is important. We get so drugged down by thinking this is like religious activity and we have no passion for Jesus. And, and so we have to be reminded constantly salvation the, the gospel isn't just for that one time i got saved and then i move on to, to bigger and better things no the gospel is it that's why this book of mark starts with this is the gospel of jesus christ our lord it's this this whole book everything i want you to get comes back to the fact that it's about the good news of jesus and what he has done for us that, that we get that don't get tired of the gospel okay Jesus said back there in verse 15, right? Repent and believe in the gospel. I, I, I think sometimes we miss out on the repent part. A lot, I think a lot of people take that IQ test and they don't really understand their sin. They just want to go be with grandma and grandpa in heaven one day instead of really understanding it's about my sin and I need to repent of that sin and believe in the gospel. For salvation. And we have to, what it reminds us of constantly, what the gospel reminds us of is first we're starting with God. So we go, this is who God is. He is holy. He is the standard. He is the He's the one I'm I need to seek to please. Not other people, not myself. God is holy. We are not. It's seeing Him in the proper light, seeing ourselves in the proper light. We see our sin, know where we are in need of saving from our sin. Sin entered the world with the fall of man and it's been passed down to us. And, and with sin, that brought death physically, spiritually, more importantly, spiritually. We need to see our sin and repent or turn from it. Be appalled by it. not wanted anymore. To see Jesus as greater than the pleasure that that seems to bring us temporarily, but then we have to go back and get more and get more and get more because it leaves us emptier afterwards than what we were before we even started. We need to turn for, to Jesus for forgiveness and new life in the gospel. 
to believe the events of the cross and resurrection really happened. And we need it every day. The gospel reminds us this, this is what was done for me. It doesn't just end with me. I'm to be a fisher of men because of that. I was reconciled. My salvation is there so that I can pass that on to other people. So I can't, I, I need the gospel every day. I need to preach it to myself. You need to preach it to yourself every day. You look in the scriptures and you see it and you go, there's the gospel again. There's the good news of Jesus. And something should well up inside of us and go, I am so thankful for that. Like without that, this is all meaningless and nothing. Like it matters not. We're all cursed, doomed without it. So every day I need to be thankful. And as I'm thankful, that just drives you to go, people need to know. I need to be aware where like, I need to throw a line. Go to church and help grab the net, right? Maybe you need to do that right now. Maybe that's... I run into people all the time that tell me the same story of, man, I thought I had it when I was eight, nine years old. There's some that do get it. I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, right? There's some kids that just they get it they understand their sin they repent they turn to jesus and they're just never the same the rest of their life then there are a lot of them and some of you are sitting in here shared the same story but i just heard this just a couple weeks ago same thing just prayed the prayer in vbs didn't want to go to hell didn't change a thing got married all of a sudden me and my husband figured it out. We didn't really get it. Now we got it. Understand, life's different, right? So maybe you need to do that right now. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He says, repent, believe in, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, what he did for us. That's, it's good news. It never gets old. It never gets old, Okay? As Christians, we should get excited every time we think about what God's done for us. If not, something's wrong inside. We need to repent and get back to loving God and others, back to the gospel of Jesus. So let's pray this morning. Maybe if that's you, you just realizing, I, I need that gospel in my life because I've never really repented of my sin, seen it for what it is, for who I am and who God is. and I've never really just turned from it and believed in the gospel and it changed my life. I've never had that happen really. And if that's you just right now, you just have that conversation with God and it's just as simple as saying, hey God, I'm just, I'm, I'm realizing some things. I, I thank you for drawing me to yourself that you're active in my salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that has convicted me today that's, drawn, that's helping to pull me toward you opening my eyes to who you are and what the truth is. And so right now I turn from myself and my sin and I'm asking you, your son Jesus, to save me from my sin. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I want to follow 
He's calling me out today to follow him, and I want to follow him. And so you just you just do that in your heart, in your words, just have that conversation with him. And God, right now, I just give myself to you. I'm yours. I'm following your son Jesus. You di- he died for me so I could live for him, and that's what I want to do. And then there's that part of just saying, hey, and my prayer is, is that you will then follow Jesus, his example in water baptism. As he gave us that example of what we should do, be baptized by water, as the Holy Spirit comes inside. For the rest of us, Father, I just pray that we would be excited about the gospel again if we're not. Maybe there's some here that they feel like they get tired of church. feels monotonous, mundane, same old routine. It's not just about what happens here on Sunday morning. This is the, Father, I pray they would see this as the infusion of community together, the Holy Spirit building up inside us all, that we would all just leave this place fired up about fishing for men this week. That we would invite, we would post, we would share, we would build relationships, invite people over for dinner, take them to lunch, buy them a cup of coffee, minister to them in their need, be generous to people, help them out when we can. Father, we would do whatever we are given and just leverage all that to see people know you. To To be able to share the gospel with them. It takes us telling them. Father, I hope we see as a, as a congregation, as a church, we have to tell people. They're not going to go... I mean, I know, Father, you draw them and you, you, you do what you do. Then you send them to, to us to tell them the gospel. And so may we just open our mouths and say, here's how it is. May we just be in, be ready to do that this week. So, Father, I pray for our small groups coming up that have great conversations. We would encourage one another, minister to one another. And again, that would be a time where we just help build each other up, encourage each other, so that we can go out and be your people in this world. And so, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for those serving in the back this morning, all of those kids. I pray that our kids back there, all of those kids, my kids, whoever's grandkids are here, friends that are here, that those children would truly come to understand the gospel and their lives would be transformed by it, that you would call them to follow you and be fishers of men. And may we be a great example of that. Help us, Father, to be an example of that to them, to show them, to model what it looks like as Jesus was our great model, is our great model. So thank you, Father, for all you're doing for us, in us, and through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.